Welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. You're about to hear a message from Pastor Dennis Vardy called Heaven on Earth, and it speaks about how over and over again throughout the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus introduces parables with these words, the kingdom of heaven is like. So what does the expression kingdom of heaven mean? How is it relevant to our lives today? And what do the parables tell us about living a life relevant to the kingdom of heaven? Find out and enjoy today's message. I think I can confidently say that we are on the last of this series. I'm even saying that with a sense of tentativeness, but uh, it's been a long time since we did uh, a 10-part series, so this has been this has been fun. This has been this has been good. I don't know if if you've um, perhaps noticed this in your life. I'm, I'm going to guess yes in some way or another, but the the idea of having reoccurring problems. In other words, you you you've had something that happened and and you know that's behind you but then you find yourself in in the same place again and it's like a deja vu kind of moment it's like i've i've had this conversation before i've i've faced this situation before this is not the first time maybe maybe it's like a conflict at home and tension in relationships um, and then you you think you've resolved the conflict but you find it, this gets repeated. Or, or maybe it's something to do with your life coming under pressure, and in that moment of pressure, you know, you, you kind of act out in some way and until the pressure's off and uh, calm down, things sort of come back into control, but, but later you find going through the same thing again. Maybe you're a parent, and maybe it's about uh, parenting and communication and find yourself butting heads with your child and, and it, it getting intense. And then you just, well, I'm going to drop that conversation for the sake of peace. But, but sure enough, you'll come back to it. You'll come back to it. Um, maybe, maybe it has to do with finances and things like credit card use and debt and things of that nature. And, and you find yourself getting into debt, being diligent to get out of debt, but then repeating the cycle. Well, if it isn't a reoccurring problem, maybe there's things in your life where you felt like you've sort of just hit the ceiling. There's a lid. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your leadership at work, or maybe it's your time management. You just find yourself time and time again coming to that place of of overload and it really limiting you. Um, You know, as we talk about living in these frustrations. I can remember in the early days of the church where uh, we had had plateaued at around 100 people. And it was just staying that way for some time. And I I remember living in the frustration of that and and sort of being like, there's got to be another book I can read. There's got to be another conference I can go to. You know, there's got to be some, you know, secret church sauce, if you will, to get church to grow, to see, you know, what should happen. And um, that was kind of where my mentality was at. And then I discovered something, and that is that, that God wanted to first grow me. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. 
To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. He went on his journey. The one who had received five talents immediately went, did business with them, earned five more talents in the same way the one who had received two talents earned two more. And uh, he who received one talent went away, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves comes to settle accounts with them. The one who had received five came and brought five more, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have earned five more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter the joy of your master. Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have earned two more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And then it goes on to conclude with the statement, for to everyone who has, more shall be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. The, the master gives out these talents, but as it's described, they're not just arbitrarily given. He, he, he gives out these talents with, with this qualification where he says, each according to their ability. So you can handle one, you can handle two, you can handle five. But then as the story goes on, the guy with five ends up with 10. And the guy with two ends up with four. Now, clearly the master didn't think they could handle that in the beginning. So he doesn't start them off. How about we start with four and you can have 10? No, he starts them off with two and five. Why? Because that was their ability. So here's what we know. We know by the fact that they could double those things, that as they doubled, their ability increased along the way. In other words, their capacity to handle the responsibility had actually grown within them so that they could come back and say, I started with five, here's 10, but I didn't just grow the money, I grew me. Come on. The guy with, four, uh, with two comes back with four. Look, I've doubled as well, but it's not just about growing the money, I grew me to be able to handle the responsibility. I am now at the ability level of a four when I used to be a two. I'm now at the ability level of a 10 when I used to be a five. And so we see this personal growth factor happening in this particular parable. Personal growth is necessary to realize your personal potential in life. It's necessary. It's not like optional. The, the assumption that you are all you need to be and know all you need to know to accomplish your greatest potential in life is, is completely untrue. You know, having a vision doesn't mean that you're ready to carry the vision. And we see this throughout Scripture where God puts vision in people's hearts, but if you'll notice, between the time of receiving vision and the time of fulfillment, there's usually a story. There's a journey. There's experiences. Stuff happens. So what's going on there? It's called preparation. It's called growing the person before we grow the vision. Vision, though, should drive your growth. 
Vision should drive your growth. I can remember years ago when the church was very small, we were over on 81st Avenue, and uh, I had this picture on my desk that I found in a Christian magazine. Um, you know, so that kind of dates me just to say that because you can't cut those pictures out of your tablet anymore. But at any rate, um, I had this picture, and it was a picture of a big group of people worshiping in a warehouse. That's what it was. And um, we were not in a warehouse, and we were definitely not a big group of people. And so I, I, I cut this picture out, I framed it, and I put it on my desk as a vision statement to say, this, this is where we're going to go. This is where we're going to go. And um, whatever it is that you want to become in life should drive your growth, should drive your growth. You, you're, you know, if you're living with a vision for a bigger future, then embracing personal growth is what it's going to take to actually realize the fulfillment of that vision and to get to that future. You know, life itself demands personal growth. Just the journey of life itself. The person that you are when you're single and the person that you are when you're married with several children are two different people. Well, let's put it this way. They better be. <laughs> You have to become a different version of yourself to grow to a place where now all of a sudden I have the responsibility of a spouse. I have the responsibility of, of raising these kids. You can't continue to be the person that you were when you were single. And all the ladies said, okay, fish for it. Well, you know it's easy, okay? Think about your career path. You know, you, you may start as a worker, and then eventually you're a department leader. Then you find yourself a manager. And then maybe you move into where you're actually the owner of a business. And here's what I know. At every level of moving up in responsibility, you're going to have to learn a whole different skill set in order to handle that next level. And so you might be working somewhere where you're a worker and you know how everything goes together, how it's all, you know, how it all happens. You understand the mechanics of the business at, at that level. If you get promoted to where now you're a manager of people, that's a completely different skill set than being the worker who does the actual job. Now you're just dealing with a whole different world. And, and again, it goes on as you go manager, owner, whatever it is. You just have to keep growing in your skills in order to handle the next level of responsibility that you're put in because it's gonna demand a completely different skill set than everything that you know right now. But not only that, the next level that you move to is going to put a demand on your character. It's going to put a demand on your people skills. You're going to have to learn how to handle conflict and different personalities. Your ability to handle pressure, that has to grow at the same time. So for you, you can't just have an increase, you know, that's just on skills alone. There has to be other elements of personal growth that happen along the way, you know, in order for you to go to that next level. And if it doesn't happen, if you don't grow those things, life will just stay or just turn back into whatever it was. H.G. Wells said, the only true measure of success is the ratio between what might have been and what we have become. Well, personal growth is what allows us to close the gap to bring that ratio up towards 100%. Personal growth has to be intentional. It's not the default. It's not like, 
there's not like a magic to this. I gave my life to Jesus. Now all of a sudden I'm going to grow into the person he wants me to be or, or something like that. Uh, in fact, I would say that for most people, the default is not to change. The default is we just like the way things are. Uh, it's just easier to maintain that. We, that sense of security when things aren't changing is, is something that we tend to gravitate to. And it's just, it's just easier to be the way that you've always been than it is to become a different version of yourself. Albert Einstein is famous for this quote, among others, but he said this, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Well, to get that different results means you have to grow and change. And for you to experience personal growth, listen, the starting place is believing that you can change. The starting place isn't changing. The starting place isn't learning all this stuff. And that's not the start. It's the belief inside of you that you can actually change, that you can be a different person, that you don't fall for the lie that just says, well, you know, this is the way I've always been. This is the way I've always reacted. This is what I've always liked or disliked. Or, you know, this is, this is what always has stressed me out. Well, why can't you change it? Stop stressing you out. You have to start by dealing with beliefs inside of you that say, I don't have to stay this way. I don't have to always be defined this way. There's a different version of myself that God can grow me into. And just deal with your beliefs is the starting place of God changing you. By the way, this isn't a will of God issue. That's an easy out for some people. Well, if the Lord wants me to change, if the Lord wants you to change. Are you kidding me? Everybody else does. <laughs> this is not a will of God issue. This is a will of you. This is a will of me issue. You know, years ago, it was believed that the brain kind of developed over the first few years of life, and then it, it basically kind of stayed the same from there on in. But over time, what they've discovered is that that's not true, that the brain can actually keep developing, keep growing uh, as you keep learning. A key discovery from the Center for Bible Engagement uh, Research is that life of someone who engages Scripture four times or more a week will look radically different from the life of someone who does not. So in other words, we have two believers, one believer actually outside of, you know, coming to a Sunday worship, engages, studying their Bible, praying, expecting the Holy Spirit to speak to them as they read the, read the Word of God at least four times a week on their own. In fact, here's what, what they want to find now is this. The lives of Christians who do not engage the Bible most days of the week are statistically about the same as the lives of non-believers. In other words, the only thing different about these Christians is that they have Jesus in their heart, and when they die, they'll go to heaven. They know that they're forgiven, but they're not experiencing heaven on earth. They're not seeing life change happen now. They're not seeing a different result of how they do life because of Christ being in their life. In other words, they're just not growing. They're just not growing. Key findings included this. If a person engages the Bible four or more times a week, 
their odds of giving in to temptations such as, you know, drinking excessively or viewing pornography, lashing out in anger, gossip, lying, et cetera, et cetera, significantly decreases. In other words, it just empowers them to victory over temptation. Receiving, reflecting on, responding to God's word four or more times a week decreases a person's odds of struggling with issues such as feeling bitter, thinking destructively about yourself and others, having difficulty forgiving others and feeling discouraged. Your mental health can be totally impacted by you having a regular time with God. Just by you having a time where you get into God's word, you get into prayer, you engage your relationship with the Lord on your own, aside from worship services, doing that alone is enough to impact your mental health. Engaging scripture produces a more proactive faith among Christians. Controlling for their age, gender, church attendance, prayer practices, individual engaging in scripture has significantly higher odds of giving financially, memorizing scripture, and sharing their faith with others. In other words, what they're saying is this. For those who would actually be intentional about engaging their relationship with God, getting into God's word, you know, hearing from the Holy Spirit, speaking to their life, all the rest of it, they're way more likely to be active in the other disciplines of Christianity. They're way more likely to be active serving in their church, you know, giving financially, um, you know, reaching out and sharing their faith with people around them. They're not going to be passive about it. They're going to be active about it. People's perceptions of their own spiritual growth are also impacted by how often they hear from God through the Bible. Those who engage Scripture most days of the week are less likely to feel spiritually stagnant and to feel like they can't please God. Now, the other thing they found is this. Most Christians will grow in the first three years and then plateau after that. In other words, their first three years after they've said yes to Jesus, they're changing habits. You know, they're, they're talking differently. They're thinking differently. Their, their character and their conduct is being impacted. You know, they're experiencing the Holy Spirit guiding, their, guiding them. They're, they're learning all kinds of new things as a believer. Their relationships are changing. Their self-government is improving. Their, their habit of prayer and scripture reading is being developed. All these changes are happening in the first three years. But after three years, they can begin to plateau. So why would they do that? Well, you can begin to buy into a thought that says, well, if I've experienced so much change in these first three years. I must have arrived. God must be done. Um, maybe, you know, I've changed so much. I'm so different from what I used to be. Maybe I don't need to put in the same effort that I used to. Maybe I don't need to have the same discipline towards seeking God and getting in the word that I used to. And here's the problem with that. The problem with that is this, that there's still so much that can need to be changed about our thinking and about our habits that won't get addressed if we don't do something about it and allow that plateau to continue. And so you can be somebody who's like, yeah, you're a believer in Jesus, you're involved in church and all the rest of it, but guess what's happening? You've carried over, still carried over things from your past life or the world around you that have not been addressed, and now they're carried over into your new life. You're a Christian, but you still gossip. 
You're, you're, you're believe in Jesus, but you still have a difficulty getting along with people. You know, you're a Christ follower, but you're still judgmental. You know, you're a Christian, you go to church, but you have authority issues. You know, you have a faith in Christ, but you have low self-esteem. Say, why? Because you're not continuing to pursue growth. You plateaued, and not everything gets resolved in the first few years of your walk with Jesus as much as many things get changed. You still need to grow. You still need to change. Thank you. I'll take one. Second Kings 19.29. It's good scripture about this. It says, then this shall be a sign for you. You will eat this year what grows of itself. In the second year, what springs forth from the same. And in the third year, sow, reap, plant vineyards, and eat their fruit. I think this is a picture of, of what's being described here about this whole growth and plateau dynamic where in the first couple of years, change can come easy and fruit seems to come easy. And man, God is just doing something in your life every day. You're just, your awareness of God's presence, your awareness of change, your awareness of, of the word of God speaking to your world is, is huge because you might actually be reading some of these passages for the very first time in your life. And you're like, whoa, man, the whole Bible talks about me, you know, kind of thing. And, and not only that, there are just some things that are gonna come easy. For instance, if you're a new believer, you're gonna find evangelism really easy. Easy. Why? Because all of your friends are lost. You haven't been around Christianity long enough to have most of your friends be, you know, existing believers to where now you have to actually be intentional to reach outside of that group of people and make a difference in the world. It's just easy. All these things just happen. But then he says this, after those first little bit of time, he says, you're going to have to, you're going to have to sow and reap and plant vineyards and eat their fruit. In other words, it's going to take effort. You're going to have to work at it. Here, here's another way of wording this. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 5. This is the account of, of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made earth and heaven. He says, now no shrub of the field was yet in the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. So, so God knows his part. He knows, man, I, if I send, send the rain, things are gonna happen. But he also knew this, it's not enough for me to send the rain, I need somebody to cultivate the ground. It's the same way when it comes to your personal growth. This isn't like, I'm just gonna pray and God's just gonna do this. No, it's, it is a partnership. The Holy Spirit will work with you, but you got to cultivate the ground. It's not going to happen independent of you. It's not going to happen in spite of you. It's going to happen with you. There's going to be the work of the Holy Spirit and, and all of that, but it's not just going to be, well, the Holy Spirit, it's all on, it's all on him, or it's, it's all about a gifting, or, you know, well, if God will just rain, it'll just happen. No, no, no. God's saying, I'm going to rain, but you're going to have to cultivate. You're going to have to cultivate. He needs you to cultivate, to grow whatever you need to grow in any area 
of your life. Listen, I can remember coming into um, some New Year's times where I just made a decision at the start of the new year. I'm going to read every book I'm going to read is going to be about people skills. I, I just decided I'm just going to learn how to how to work with people. I'm just going to make that my focus. What was I doing? Cultivating so God could grow something. Whatever it is that needs to grow in you, you got to cultivate it. Attitude, character, faith, skills, new habits. You can list it all. You got to cultivate it. Even those spiritual things like faith. Oh, I want to grow my faith. Guess what? You're going to have to get in the Word. You're going to have to get in the Word a lot. You're going to have to read a lot of Bible. You're going to have to get that down into here. You're going to have to deal with your wrong thinking and your doubts and your unbelief if you're going to change what you believe and grow your faith to the level that the Scripture says of what you can experience rather than reducing your faith down to your current experience. You're going to have to cultivate it. I don't know who the author is, but I like the statement. Our potential is God's gift to us. What we do with it is our gift to him. Personal growth needs to be holistic in its nature. It needs to be holistic. That is, you have to look at everything in life. You know, sometimes personal growth gets treated like, oh, it's just all about kind of like one or two areas, and, and that's what matters. And, and, it, and it's a temptation to think, well, you know, I just need to grow in some knowledge and grow my skills, and that'll move my life forward. It's all good. It's all good. And But we can become actually very narrow in our thinking, and, and we can think things like, well, you know what, I, I'm just going to grow my relationship with Jesus. That's all I need to do. Yeah, but if your problem is you can't seem to get along with anybody, then even growing your relationship with Jesus is going to be very limited in its results. Or, or you can be so driven for business success, but if your family feels like they're second best and kind of being ignored, your, your life isn't going to be in a healthy place going forward. You can be somebody who says, well, I'm just great with people. I love people. That's good. Yeah, but if you can't manage money, you're always living in instability. Life does not exist in departments. You know, you go into a department store, and uh, there can be such a wide range of things that are there these days. I mean, you know, you used to be, you went into a Walmart, and you kind of knew what to expect. Now you can go in there, and you can buy, you know, pretty much everything from sporting goods to bananas. And, um, but here's the thing. Each department is very much on its own. They're not inter interconnected. I don't have to buy a banana to get a bicycle. You know what I'm saying? It's like in its own department, we got food over here. We got men's clothing, women's clothing, men's shoes, women's shoes. You know, we <laughs> but they're, they're all in their own kind of little box, if you will. And they're not interconnected. But your life and my life doesn't look like that at all. Your life and my life is not a department store where we're just going to get into one box and say, well, I'm just going to grow this box because that's all that matters. No, that, that's not the way this thing works. Our lives look more like, a, like an engine in a car. Everything is connected. Whatever's happening in one area is going to affect what's happening in the other area. And because of that, growth in one area, though, this is what we need to understand, will not compensate for the stagnation and incompetence in another area. So in other words, if I'm, if I'm terrible with relationships and I'm having a lot of conflict with people, getting better in prayer won't fix that. All the religious people are like, what? Prayer answers everything. <laughs> well, it might be a starting place, but you're going to have to do some more cultivating than simply that. 
to fix this. The scripture encourages growth in all areas. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5 says this, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The picture in this scripture is, is, it's not just saying, well, great, you got faith, just grow your faith, have strong faith, it's all good. No, he starts adding to it. He says, add moral excellence, add knowledge, add brotherly kindness, keep adding. And he just gives this wide range of things that need to grow in your life. And then he, and then he says, keep that, keep that growing just like this. 2 Peter 1.8 and another translation says it this way, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, notice qualities, not quality, plural, and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't embrace the need for personal growth, then you'll probably spend your life defending your personal weaknesses, your reoccurring problems, and why things are just always the same for you. Many years ago, I read this book. I just want to make a quick comment about it called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And in that book, what they talked about is executives who had grown their, grown their business, wanted to take it to the next level, thought that what got them there in terms of their business savvy and skills and product line, all that, was going to be all it would take to go to the next level and didn't realize that they were, they were missing it. The book went on to talk about character issues and interpersonal relationship issues that were the true ceiling to everything that was going on in their world. And so it talked about anger problems and stealing the spotlight, not being a good listener, you know, going around people, doing end runs uh, on them. Here's what the book didn't talk about. It didn't talk about any of their skills. It didn't talk about their business skills being the problems. Skills were not the focus. The whole focus was on two things, their character and how they treated people. And basically said, listen, what got you here won't get you there. Yes, you might have a product. Yes, you might have business skills and you've gone so far. But unless you deal with your character and unless you deal with, with how you treat people, you will not go to the next level uh, of what there could be for you in life. Throughout the book of Proverbs, it says over and over that we're to be increasing and gaining in wisdom and understanding and knowledge. Proverbs 3.13, how blessed is the man who finds wisdom and gains understanding. Proverbs 4.7, the beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. With all you're acquiring, get understanding. Proverbs 8.10, take my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choices of gold, choice gold. You, you know, I love this verse because of the comparison that it brings. It's a great comparison because silver and gold have this one thing in common that this makes them distinctively different from instruction and knowledge, and that is this. Silver and gold are finite objects. Once you get it, you're done. Silver and gold could perhaps improve your circumstances. However, instruction and knowledge 
can keep on growing and you can keep on learning and you can keep on becoming all that God wants you to become. Instruction and knowledge will improve who you are, not just what you have. Furthermore, there are many ways that you can grow with instruction and knowledge. Final verse before we close. Luke chapter two and verse 52. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. Jesus grew. Our great example. Jesus grew. Whatever it is that you're going to grow in your life, whatever it is that you're feeling God is saying, this is what you need to do. I want you to know that there's, there's a, an end result. There's a reward that comes for every area of growth. You grow your ability to work with people, you'll get to be a part of a team. You grow your, your character, you'll increase trust. You grow in confidence, people will believe in you. You grow in faith, God can do more through you. You grow in wisdom, you'll work smarter and not harder, you'll be more effective. You grow in skills, you'll expand your influence. You grow in love, you'll have favor with people. You grow in self-control, you'll stay on track. You grow in disciplines, you'll become a more productive person with your life. Personal growth is the door to realizing your personal potential. Could you stand as we take time to pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have a great plan for everyone who's here. I thank you that there's great, great potential, great future, great ways, God, that you wanna use their life to make a difference, to make a difference in other people's lives around them, to make a difference for the kingdom, to, to be people, Lord God, who really walk out everything that you've placed inside of them. Father, I pray for each and every one of us that I pray, first of all, that we'd not succumb to the lie that we've gone as far as we can go because, Lord, there's more. I pray that we would not have unbelief towards our capacity to change. That, Lord, though, though we might feel like, well, I'm the guy with two, that's okay, you can become a four. And if we feel like we're a guy with five, that's okay, you can become a 10. Lord, I thank you, Lord. We all have the capacity to grow and to change. And Lord, as we, as we embrace that in our faith and as we are intentional about cultivating that in our life, I thank you, Holy Spirit, for you doing a great work in our hearts, great work in our families, our business, and through our lives to increase your kingdom and to make a difference for Jesus. With their heads bowed, I wanna pray one more prayer for those who are in the room, for those who are watching online that, that Maybe the first step of your personal growth experience is something that hasn't happened yet in your life, and that is a commitment to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. God does have an amazing plan for your life. You were created with purpose. And you know what sin is? Sin is what sabotages us from it. Sin is what keeps us from, literally the word means to miss the mark. And uh, I just want you to know the greatest life that is ahead for you is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And there is an enemy that will do everything he can to get you to not believe that, to quit on that, to refuse that, to resist that. But this is your day to overcome that enemy. This is your day to say, no, 
No more going without God. No more keeping God out of my world. But today's my day to say yes to Jesus. So I want to pray with you. I want to pray with those who are watching. I want to pray with those who are in this room. Could you bow your heads and, and would you pray along because maybe it's the person beside you who says, I really need this prayer today. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me so much that you would die for me. I ask you to forgive my past. I invite you into my life. I confess you as my Savior and Lord. I'm gonna follow you with all my heart. Thank you for a great future through my relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from our series, Heaven on Earth. If you're wanting to know more about Celebration Church or you would like to partner with us financially, visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and follow us on our Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Come back next week to hear another great message.